You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And I'm Renee Sproles. Well, I'm super interested in today's topic. It's not something I really personally know a lot about, at least officially, but we are going to be talking about emotional intelligence. And today our guest is Nora Martin, who's a longtime friend and associate, and she's going to weigh in with some information and perhaps experience with EQ. Welcome, Nora. Good to have you here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I've been really excited and looking forward to this. Um, I'll introduce myself to everyone who doesn't know me. I'm Nora. I live in Seattle, Washington, and I have been friends with the Blaylocks. I, I went in the Wayback Machine last night to see how long, and it's almost been 20 years that I've known y'all. Right. Isn't that crazy? Wow! I know. We're coming up on 20 years of knowing each other. So it's really fun. I am definitely... Uh, a little confused about why I'm here. Just so to be very upfront with everyone, I am not a mom. So I am child free by choice, which makes me an outlier for your typical demographic. I think I'm in the right age range for what you go for. But it's just I was super excited to be here because I think a lot of people wouldn't expect me to be a guest on this podcast. Oh, yeah. And another fun fact about Nora is she's one of four people who did an outro when we asked. <laughs> So we thank you so much for, for like helping us out with that. As you said, you told us you did it in a parking lot. That's right. (laughs) Did it in a grocery store parking lot on a Sunday afternoon. I don't have kids, but sometimes it's still hard to find a quiet moment. And the parking lot is the best place. (laughs) So you speak about the differences between IQ, EQ, and some third aspect called job knowledge. Um, where you work at a Fortune 500 company on the West Coast. And so tell us exactly how how and why you do that. Sure. Um, you know, everyone has their own unique skill sets, and a lot of us are still looking for them. I'm still looking for some of mine. It's a, a lifelong journey of learning and discovery about yourself. And actually, uh, Bonnie, your, your husband is one of the people who helped me discover my hidden talent of emotional intelligence. I used to work very closely with him um, at his veterinary practice for many years, and he picked up pretty quickly that that was a skill set I, I really had. I had high emotional intelligence, which we will get into in a few minutes on exactly what that is. And since then, I've just leaned into it. I've really done a lot of researching. I've surrounded myself with people who also have high emotional intelligence. So I continue to exercise that part of who I am and grow and learn it. Um, And it's just kind of been the guiding light in my career path, actually. And it's the thing that most people seem to kind of clamp onto about me that they really love to have me around for my my emotional intelligence and my ability to teach others about how to improve their own emotional intelligence. Great. I love this topic. My husband is like you, Nora, in that he is very good at emotional intelligence and he also likes to study it. So I know a little more probably than the average gal walking around about it. And I find it wonderful to be in a relationship with someone with high emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I find it interesting. We hear almost nothing about it when we are like coming up in high school, like, um, 
college, times of life when it'd be really helpful, <laughs> really, really skill. helpful <laughs> to have a skill like this, uh -huh. to, to understand this concept even. Right. Um, and <laughs> just to be self-aware. Exactly. Right. So, okay. For <clears throat> this episode off the air, you gave us an assignment, uh, which we don't usually get homework. So I know. I, I like that, but you know what? We're good students. We did it. <laughs> we did. You can count on us. We're type A. <laughs> Right. So, okay. If you want to do the assignment as well, we're going to give you the instructions that we had to follow and you can pause the podcast and come back when you're done. So what was it that we had to do, Renee? Okay. So the assignment was get out a piece of paper and a pen and tear or cut your paper into 12 pieces. And then you're going to think of three people who influenced your life in a positive way. They're so impactful that they stand out to you. But they need to be people that you actually know, not like Mother Teresa. So people that you know, three of them. And for each person, think of three words that describe why they had such an impact on you. Write each of those words on one of your pieces of paper. I, this is where I stopped paying attention on accident and I wrote them all on the names. <laughs> well, that that happens. And then I started over because we're going to do things well around here. So... <laughs> Those so gold personalities. <laughs> That's right. So you write each of those words on one of your pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have three pieces of paper for each person. So a piece of paper, that's three. And then three words. That's four for each. Okay. Right. Four total. Okay. So we did that. We did it. Um, you pause can... now if you want to stop and do it. Yeah. Go ahead. So welcome back. If you pause the podcast and you have your answers, <laughs> Nora's here to help us understand what we're doing. Take it away, Nora. All right. Thanks for leading into my science experiment for me, Renee. I appreciate that. Um, the next step of the science experiment is to give you definitions of what emotional intelligence, regular intelligence, and then job knowledge are. So emotional intelligence is the ability to recognize emotions within yourself and others, and then use that awareness to guide your decisions. It's being able to say no when you need to, share your feelings with others, and solve problems in ways that work for everyone while showing empathy. Um, uh, Bonnie, you had a great example of someone who might not have a lot of emotional intelligence, and that's a TV show I really enjoy, which is Big Bang Theory. So Sheldon Cooper, he doesn't always understand the emotions of those around him, even his own girlfriend at times, um, but he has really high, just regular intelligence. And just to catch everyone up and make sure we're all on the same page, Regular intelligence or IQ is the ability to solve problems, use logic and grasp or communicate complex ideas. Um, and then the third one that I always talk about at work is job knowledge. So job knowledge is skills and knowledge that apply directly to a specific job or task. It's actually what brings people to your podcast. When I was kind of thinking through how, how I was going to put this on a podcast without a room full of people like I usually do this, I thought, you know, job knowledge is really what 
Renee and Bonnie have that makes everyone want to listen. That's what gets you here. But then it's your emotional intelligence that makes us all stay and want to keep listening to the full episode or all your episodes like I do. You openly talk about how others might feel in these different situations that you're describing, even if their experiences are different from yours, which makes you very relatable and very comforting to be around. Well, so now oh, that we have <laughs> you're having such a warm fuzzy moment over here. <laughs> Nora Martin, our paid sponsor, everyone. <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> and when it comes to kids, at least when we were raising our kids, we focused a lot on IQ because that's what your teachers are gonna assess for at certain grades. And you know, we talked on our episodes about gifted kids and special education, things like that. So they're focused a lot on IQ. But I had never heard anything about EQ ever. Yeah. I mean, we did because I just told you my husband through his work was was doing this was the early 2000s, right in the middle of the child rearing years. And it was totally revelatory to me. I had never considered this because I did not have very high EQ at the time. (laughs) But he did. He did. And like I said earlier, it's been such a blessing living with someone who's like that to help you develop that. And it is really, really helpful in all your relationships. It's it's actually a relational goal. It it is. So that goes back to our <laughs> assignment. Like Nora. What yeah, you about? want me to yeah, you want me to tell you important? my hypothesis and how this assignment's gonna end our little experiment? Yeah. All right. So the three pieces of paper where you wrote those names down of the people you thought of, I want you to flip those over. And on one of them, I want you to write EQ, which is emotional intelligence. On one of them, I want you to write IQ which is typical intelligence. And then on the other one, write job knowledge. And now all the little pieces of paper that you have where you wrote those words or phrases that stood out to you about the people you were thinking of, take a moment to sort them under each category of where they fall. And if you aren't 100% sure, just maybe put it between two. Like if you're not sure if the word's emotional or intellectual, just stick it in the middle there. So take just a couple minutes and do that. Shouldn't take long. And then, we will pause for just a second while you do that. And hopefully you've sorted and you're back now. Um, So my hypothesis is that all of you are gonna have approximately 70% of your words under emotional intelligence. Renee and Bonnie, do you wanna tell us what yours were? Yeah, 100, there were 100. (laughs) All of our words were under the EQ part. Okay, and this is funny, Nora, because we are not warm and fuzzy, right? People, you know, like we're, we're like, ha ha ha. We don't have to talk every day. Our texts are really brief with one (laughs) another to the point. Um, we don't hug a lot. You actually got me to lay my head on her. I know. I was like, that's so odd. I don't ever do that. (laughs) So, um, so it was funny to me, right? Like it was my dad, my husband and my grandmother. And it was words like empowering, loving, faithful, yeah. gentle, encouraging, strengthening, yeah. sacrificing. All of those are emotional. I mean, yes, they were good at what they did, but those were not the first thing. Right. That- but if they hadn't been, I guess I wouldn't have cared. And if they hadn't have been smart, I guess I wouldn't have cared. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I wouldn't have been as drawn to them as attached to them. As yeah. glued, glued to them, as you said. Right. Yeah. That just shows us that I think as a society, especially in America, we go into our 
schools and our, our jobs and we really think that job knowledge or IQ are the two most important things. Like if you're hiring someone or if you're, um, you know, looking for someone to be friends with, you're just really after someone who knows a lot. But that's not true at all. When you really break it apart and you kind of take down all of your assumptions that you have, it's really someone's emotional intelligence, their way they connect with you, how they navigate the, the harder side of life, as I like to call it, is what really stands out and brings us all together and makes someone impactful in your life. And that just shows why this topic is so important. If you had both said, well, 100% of mine were over job knowledge, we would have just ended this now and moved on to a new topic. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. That was fun. If I'm going to build a bridge, I do want someone with a lot of job knowledge and Mm -hmm. intelligence. And I guess I wouldn't care so much if they, you know, were my best friend or whatever, because I want the bridge to work. Or a doctor or a hairdresser. Yeah. I want a good hairdresser. (laughs) But you also want the hairdresser to be able to think about who you are as a person, Renee, and think that, oh, well, so my hairdresser is going to think, okay, Nora camps a lot. Um, in a good way, not in a like escaping way, in a really good way. I know we've talked down on camping on this podcast in the past. So I just want to call that out right now, Renee. I camp on purpose. I wholeheartedly think that the best people are campers. I'm just not Thank one of you. Them. So my hairdresser. <laughs> been waiting for a long time to call you out on the camping hate. Uh, so your hairdresser, my hairdresser is going to think about that, that I'm, I'm out in the woods and maybe I'm not showering every day, but I'm still very clean. Um, and I like to sleep in and I only want to spend five minutes getting dressed in the morning. So she's not going to give me a really fancy, fussy haircut. She's going to give me something that she knows I can just wash and go. That is emotional intelligence. So that's a place where you think you need job knowledge as your top thing, but it's almost just important to have emotional intelligence where they can understand who you are and empathize with you to make sure they're giving you a, a final product you're happy yes, with. Okay. I've been listening to so many podcasts yes. lately on, um, this is going to sound morbid, but like uh, palliative care, end of life decisions with doctors. And um, that's, you want a doctor in that case with tons of EQ. Wow. Like I want them to know their stuff, but if they don't have that EQ, they may as well be in a different field. You have to have that. So true. And yeah. yours is way more um, worthy than my example that I came up with, <laughs> which was the last time I went to go get glasses, this very flamboyant person was helping me the, at the dispensary and they convinced me there was no EQ. They they convinced me to pick what they liked. Mm. And I came home with these glasses. I looked like Edna Mode. From, <laughs> from the incredible. From the incredible. They're ridiculous, like huge. And and I brought them home and I, and I opened up the case. I'm like, how did this happen? I just, <laughs> I spent $350 on glasses I'm never going to wear. Like, but this is how it happened. That's not really. This is how it happened. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Might not have asked you some questions at the beginning to understand what your glasses in the past have looked like and what you liked about those glasses and what you didn't like about those glasses. Those are questions someone with high emotional intelligence is going to ask because we're really if you have a lot of emotional intelligence, you're really after the why. You want to know the why behind something. Why does Nora need a simple haircut? Why does Renee not want fashionista glasses? <laughs> Why does Renee not want to look like Edna Mode, which actually was sort of fun. Hey, I, I wore them like twice. <laughs> <laughs> I 
you tried. I tried. I tried. But that's great. That's a great, that's a great point. And it's one of the things I've been thinking a lot about lately is just getting curious, getting curious about myself, getting curious about others instead of making instant like judgments, not even judgments in a bad way, just instant information points, data points. This is a perfect opportunity to tell you both what my favorite quote is. My favorite quote that is the background on my computer at work. It's a sticky note on my monitor. I have it everywhere. Is be curious, not judgmental. It is from a TV show called Ted Lasso. And that TV show is just packed (laughs) full. It is packed full of such good emotional intelligence. That whole show is just all about emotional intelligence. And I think if more people, when they were in a tough situation, just took a moment to think, be curious, not judgmental, our world would be so much better. <laughs> I I totally agree. My husband and I just binge watched that show. I, I think I remember him saying that. Yeah, at the end of the dart scene. Yeah, the dart scene. I mean, Ted is, has such this winsome personality and he has really high EQ, actually. He really gets curious about every person in his orbit. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful to watch. It's quirky. It's fun. So I think the just get curious applies to just like Ted Lasso, everybody in the different generations, like Jessica Holder was talking about mm-hmm. here. Um, our temperament program that we did, all of our four episodes on that. Um, I could just say going through oh. life without being curious, which is how I was probably in my 20s, does not make for a fun life. You have like a diminished view of the whole world around you, actually. Yeah, it just shrinks. It really does shrink. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we said on the, in the intro, every time we've made some mistakes and learned some lessons, don't do that ladies. (laughs) That's what I did. Don't do that. And when I stopped doing it, yeah. Wow. The world opens up and, and I start to understand people and don't just think people are ridiculous, quite frankly. Right. The why behind the (laughs) ridiculous thing that you're talking about. I mean, occasionally they are, but generally not. No, there's always something deeper going on, Mm -hmm. generally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that leads me into the question, like, why, why is EQ important? That's one reason it it call it for me personally. It's it's actually better for the people around you, but it's also better for you. It is. It makes life so much fuller and so much more enjoyable when you actually care and dive into what makes people people tick and what makes them um, make certain choices or decisions, it might change how you think about something and, and give you a more pleasant experience along the way. But it definitely makes the experience for those around you more pleasant. When, when I asked some of my friends and coworkers to use one word to describe me, the word they came up with was nice. I was the first I was like, wow. Are not very creative. And then <laughs> when I took a moment and stepped back, I was like, man, that's a great way to be remembered. If I can just be remembered as nice, that's like such an overwhelmingly positive word. Like, she's just nice. Like, come up to me and tell me you just crashed into my car. That's okay. It's just a car. Are you okay? You're okay. Good. All right. That's great. Like, nice is such a good word. Matt, that's why emotional intelligence is so important because you want people to think you're nice, to think that you're understanding and caring and that you listen, that you, you get them at the core. Yeah. Right. I think the people that I'm thinking of who probably in the context of this don't have a lot of emotional intelligence are not people I want to spend a lot of time with. They're not people that are fun to be around. They're kind of, I don't know, gruff or dismissive or um, Super self, judgmental, self-interested. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's not a good way to win friends and influence people. <laughs> if you are trying to raise your children, we all want our children to be well-liked and well-rounded and respected in different circles. So uh, I think it just behooves us to know a little bit about the subject and how to guide others to get there. It really goes to the preciousness of others, which is what we mm-hmm. taught our kids over and over and over again. That was a phrase we used. Um, and in just in a Christian worldview, everyone is made in the image of God that that alone should be like, Whoa, hang on a second. How can I see the image of God in you? How has God made you uniquely with your set of mm-hmm. gifts and, and your life experiences and how has that shaped you? Um, even if it's behaviors that are not pleasant, just even asking you about, you right. and I've talked about that even asking that question, what's happened to you instead of what's, what's wrong, wrong with, with you? you? <laughs> yeah. Again, getting curious. curious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it, it just is, um, it's a much more aligned way with the way God made people. And I think really the way Jesus interacted with people, quite frankly. Yeah. Oh, I totally think he was a yeah. great example of yeah. emotional intelligence. Yeah. And, and listen, he wasn't a wimp. He was, I mean, he was super nice to your point, Nora, but then he was mm-hmm. also savage with the uh, <laughs> super judgmental people <laughs> so boundaries that's one of the yeah. things that, that are part of the thing um so i was reading this article by ellen i think you say Nguyen, and she was talking about how to spot emotional intelligence in a partner generally speaking she says people with high eq know what's going on with themselves and are good at expressing it they have a high social awareness and adaptability. So couples with matching levels tend to be happier and stay together longer, which makes sense because one of them's not trying to carry the whole ball game while the other one's just, you know, not knowing what's up. So I, she had these five characteristics of EQ or things with couples with EQ that they all shared that um, was just interesting. So when you hear them kind of personally ask yourself, am I that? Would people mm-hmm. say that about me? And then think about your kids too. Would people say that, or can you say that about your children? And if not, maybe you'll know areas, hey, maybe I need to work on that a little right, bit. Right, right, right. So the first one is they're self-aware. And that's a tough one. It takes a long time. Like I know most 20 year olds I know are not even self-aware yet. So that's a long goal. Yes. Um, and you can teach your children little by little, but it's you're not gonna get there at five. But that's the reason we did the temperaments podcast. So we talked with our children a lot about the temperaments and different people are wired differently. Um, As someone who is Bobby, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, Nora, Bobby said, you have high emotional intelligence. I'm guessing you were born that way. And then maybe you were able to develop it. Um, If y'all been knowing each other 20 years, you don't look that old. He probably met you when you were 12. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Your life experiences play into that too. Yes. Yeah, so tell, tell us about that. How did that develop in you? I think I have high emotional intelligence because I personally always struggled in school. Like being a good learner was not something I was great at. I was diagnosed really late in life, almost in high school with a pretty severe learning disability. So I had like faked it all the way through eighth grade. And then my parents were like, yeah, something's just not right. I got some testing done and were quite frankly shocked that I, you know, really struggled in some areas, reading comprehension, some basic language skills. I was so far behind my peers, but it's probably my emotional intelligence and how I related with those around me. That is one thing that carried me through that because I would go up to my teachers and ask for extra help and they could see that I, I was trying and I cared and I would 
go to my peers who were successful and ask them for assistance. And I really think that, you know, 12 year old Nora was just growing a different skill set because she lacked so much in this other area of life. Um, and then for me, job knowledge has just always been something I've learned along the way. I have a major from college that does not at all relate to what I do right now, like completely separate ends of the world. Um, but just, you know, being curious and asking questions and surrounding myself by people who have those things is is what really helped to get me here. Um, my my parents both have very high emotional intelligence as well, as well. So I think that also helped because I was doing a lot of mimicking probably in my early years. Nora is great at um, anticipating what I would say. So as an employee, uh, especially at a high level, if you're working for um, high level executives and you can anticipate before they even know that they need the thing, then uh, that, that kind of puts you on a fast track, I think. Cause who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want someone who's, I oh, want that. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. So my husband anticipates that cup of coffee in the morning and yeah. brings it to me. Woo! <laughs> Gold baby. <laughs> You're exactly right. I see. So I'm an, I'm an executive assistant. Um, and in that role, I, I work with people who are so smart that it's intimidating. Everyone around me is just super high intelligence and to be able to know what they need before they need it, even about something I don't understand is, is definitely a skill set. And it takes a lot of diving into the details and asking a lot of questions. That's one thing I've become very comfortable with is I am not afraid to ask a question. I'm not afraid of someone thinking I'm dumb because I'm asking a question. I'm also not afraid to re-ask a question in a different way to get a slightly different answer if I don't fully understand what you said the first time, because the slight change in wording can really mean a lot in the long run. That's great advice for couples. That's great advice for parents and children, mm -hmm. children and teachers, all of those relationships. I, I think that's awesome. Okay. What's our second um, feature? Well, it goes to what Nora was just saying. They're curious about you. Mm -hmm. People who are highly emotionally intelligent are flexible in thinking. They're more likely to be open-minded and curious about you. And they make observations about you and ask why. Okay. Yeah. So exactly what she was just saying. Exactly. You just answered our, our second point. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and okay. So three, they're self-sufficient. This one I think is so Ooh, important and so such good. a big self-aware. This one really cut to the heart. <laughs> I know. Because I was terrible about this in my twenties. Terrible. So people with high emotional intelligence know their body and their emotions, which allows them to meet their own needs. How many young moms are not there yet? I think a ton. One, because they're overwhelmed taking care of other people, but also they just forget that they're, they're necessary to take care of too. For example, if you are frequently hangry, that is a sign of low body and emotional awareness. The hangry person doesn't know they're experiencing hunger. They let it go on and get irritated and snappy with people around them. Renee. Oh, David, <laughs> would you like to just answer from the bathroom where you're probably listening to this podcast right now and just say how many times you would estimate you asked me last time I ate when you came home from work? I mean, he came home to an ir irritable wife. I cannot hundreds, probably hundreds <laughs> of times before I realized like you have, you're responsible for your own body. You yeah. pay attention. Right. Like, you yeah. don't let yourself get overtired, <laughs> over 
maxed out or stressed out, or you know what's going to trigger you, you know, when you need a timeout, you, you got to just have your radar up and listen. Absolutely. To I need to call myself out really quick. And I don't know if Bonnie remembers this, but one time <laughs> on my desk at work, I came in and there's this tea towel with a very beautifully embroidered statement about being hangry. <laughs> so emotional intelligence is something that continues to grow and develop your whole life. <laughs> I have one or two granola bars on my body at all times, my purse everywhere. I am a People always joke, and when they see my purse or they ask for something like, oh, I have a blister. Oh, I have a Band-Aid. Do you want a blister Band-Aid or a regular Band-Aid? I am that overly prepared person, Love and it. everyone's always like, oh, you must be a mom, or you'd be a great mom. And I'm like, no, no, this is just who I am. I just take care of the people around me, and I want to make sure everyone's comfortable and everyone's happy, and having Advil and granola bars and band-aids are what do that and it's so simple for me to keep them on me <laughs> I love that it's like a Mary Poppins bag yes practically perfect in every way <laughs> I love it all right number four people with high emotional intelligence have good boundaries so when people are self-aware they know what boundaries to set and on the other hand allowing emotions to override rational judgment and overlooking bad behaviors is a sign of undeveloped emotional intelligence. That's interesting. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you don't want to sweep things under the rug. Think about in a relationship. That's the easiest way for me to think about this one. If my partner is always smacking his food and that is the thing that like gets into my soul and I just don't say anything because I'm like, well, I'll be the bigger person and I will just deal with this. But secretly, every time we have a meal, I'm like, I want to sit in another room. That is not healthy. That is not healthy for you. That is not healthy for them. And that is not healthy for your relationship. So being capable of saying, this is a thing about me that I am not handling well, and I need your help to work through it. And, you know, maybe there's a compromise. Maybe you don't eat crunchy foods together or something like that. But being able to have that conversation is so important because if not, you're just going to grow resentment towards that person. And that's, that's not good for anyone. Right. Refer to our boundaries episode. We have a whole yes oh, whole podcast yeah. on that one. Yeah. And then this is just goes without saying maybe, but uh, people with high IQ have healthy, lasting, non-romantic relationships. Being around others requires an individual to develop their interpersonal skills. So if you're partner this, if you're looking for somebody, <clears throat> if you're single, look for somebody who has a great relationship with their family or friends or is close with other people. Okay. What? I could not articulate this, but in my forties, we moved back to Murfreesboro and, you know, you, you pick up with old friends, like my friend Vaughn right here <laughs> and then you have new friends. Cause it's like a weird thing. Cause you're coming back home, but people have moved on. Right. And so you pick up some new friends along the way. All right. <laughs> so I met this family and I noticed that they didn't really have any friends from their past. And there was always a story about why that friendship was not any longer and and like a little like antenna went up in my head and thought like why can't they maintain long-term friendships and sure enough just a few years later all of us were dropped as well and it, it's just a, it's a habitual thing so it's a real low emotional intelligence that is something to notice it, it really you don't write want to write people off but it, you only have so much time to invest so we always are telling moms make friends get a community right but this, Be but, wise. but watch for the ones that you do make. Yeah. Watch yeah. out and kind of look for the good ones. And for gosh, for teenagers and young adults in dating relationships, this, that is 
that's a red flag. If you, if your potential boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't want you to have friendships and they don't have friendships or, or they're really hateful to their parents or, you know, grandparents or whatever, uh, steer clear. Yeah. Steer clear. Or maybe just, uh, sometimes I feel like there's, there's like a bullseye of friendships for me. So like sometimes people can be kind of on the edges more. They, yeah. they don't have to get all the way, march all the way to the inner circle. Yeah. And, and you can have some, you know, touch points of interaction, but maybe they're not your, your best bud. Right. I mean, what do you think, Nora? Yeah, I think you're exactly right with that. I like the bullseye analogy. That's so good. You have your, you know, you know, your close friends, the ones that you call at the blink of an eye because they just get you and, and it kind of goes out from there, but it's so important. That was a huge thing. I found my partner, Chris, later in life, we were in our thirties when we met and, um, that was a huge thing for me is he still has friends from high school that I even know. And we don't live anywhere near where we grew up. And he still has friends that come out all the way to Seattle to visit us from high school because he's that kind of a person. He's a, he's a great friend to others. And that to me was a really endearing quality. Okay. So I know the story of how you met Nora, you and, you and Chris. So tell us how did you meet exactly? And what ways are you emotionally intelligently compatible? That's a really fun question. Uh, Chris and I have a very millennial meeting story, I feel. We met online. We paid to find each other is what we always tell people and that we we are such unique people. We really needed a computer algorithm to help us figure it out. So we <laughs> met using a really popular um, paid for dating site. And I was actually at the very end of my like four month trial subscription when he popped up onto my feed. Um, and we, we went through all the steps you have to do to be able to just talk to each other. And I was like, yeah, I have 24 hours left and I'm not renewing this. So if you want to talk to me, here's my number. You need to text me. And we'd send each other, you know, proof of that we were the person we thought each yeah. other were and all of that. So that was really fun. Um, and the unique thing about both of our, our dating profiles is that we had both really been intentional with what we were looking for. We were both ready to find our person. We weren't just looking for a date. And we knew what our hard maker breaks were, the things that made us who we are, that we were not willing to flex on with a partner. And I think going in with that kind of intention and having that kind of thoughtfulness and what you're looking for was a really good first step for our relationship. The big rocks, the big things that you just know are who you are. We made sure matched before we even went our first date, which is such a great thing because you know you're starting off in the same place with the same intentions. Right. That's good advice across the board from younger people dating all the way across. Moms of teenagers, take note. Train (laughs) your kids to do this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's so easy to have the, the lust portion there, right? You meet someone new and you're just wooed by them and oh they're so cute or they they said I was so pretty and and you forget that maybe these really big parts of your personality and your morals don't match up and that is not a good start to a relationship by any means and you know the fact that we did meet um, when we were fully formed adults I like to say in our 30s really made our relationship very different than what I think either of us had experienced and were almost eight years in now, I think if I, if I do the math correctly and it's just, gets better every, every year, truly, we really enjoy each other and our relationship. I know about you that you are a great communicator. So how does that play in your relationship? 
We are both really good communicators. His job, he basically just has to be a good communicator all day. And that falls over to him in regular life as well. So one thing that we both do is we do not stew on things. If he does something that is just really irritating me, I just tell him like, hey, you really need to stop chewing like that right now, or I need to leave the room, or it's going to be ugly. And sometimes it's me, right? Sometimes I'm just like way out of line and he's just eating and it's not his fault, but I need to tell him that. So I'm not just sitting in the corner stewing about it. And he's like, why is she so mad at me? I don't understand what I did. So that's a huge thing we do is we we talk. We don't let things become a big deal. We trust each other enough to talk about them openly. We're comfortable enough in our relationship that we know these things are not going to be deal breakers for either of us. Um, And then we also really don't expect the other person to know what we're thinking all the time. I know so many people that do that. They expect their partner to be a mind reader and, and they just can't, that's not something you can ask any human to do, much less the person you live with who is a different gender than you. Like he has no idea what I'm thinking. And there were some fun little ground rules I laid for him. Like, Hey, if we're going somewhere and it's too late for me to change my outfit and it doesn't look great, maybe don't tell me then just tell me like next time, like, don't make me feel horrible going into this situation. (laughs) Like, I know that's such a little thing. I like, if you, if you catch it before we leave the house, tell me, or if it's like something embarrassing, tell me when we get there. But if it's just like, that's not the cutest outfit you've ever worn. Let's talk about it when we get home and like, you know, something silly like that. So that's like a simple thing, but it's a huge part of who I am. Cause if he told me in the car on the way there, I would have a terrible time. Like it would just make me anxious the whole time. I would not have fun. Yeah. 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 So just those like tiny, they feel like tiny little things to me that should be automatic, but they're not. And you don't need to expect your partner to just anticipate every little need you need. You need to tell them, Hey, I don't want to cook dinner tonight. I know that it's my night to cook, but it is absolutely not happening. And we need to come to an agreement on what we're going to do about that. Like that's a small thing, but if I resentfully cooked dinner instead of just being upfront and honest, it would harm our relationship if that continued to happen. So we, I think we just really try to think about the other person in everything that we do and consider their feelings and their own needs. It, this this um, cooking dinner thing you made me think. So this is a common thing. It's so it's so across the board. A lot of women, um, the sink is full of dishes. And the dryer is full of clothes or the clothes are on the sofa dumped out of the laundry basket. And they don't want to have to tell their husband, hey, would you please fold those clothes? Or hey, will you please? What say you, emotional intelligence (laughs) expert? What shall we tell these women to do? The Fair Play book is helpful. Yes, please. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. I am not perfect when it comes to this either. I will say that our household duties are not evenly distributed, but we've come to an understanding of like, here's where we sit. This is what we do. And if it needs to change, we talk about it. So for instance, he told me date number two, I am probably never going to cook a meal for you. That's a big rock for him. He hates cooking more than almost anything else in the entire world. He hates that. And I was like, okay, I'll take care of food. I don't want to ever touch a dish. (laughs) if if we're if I'm cooking and buy and like thinking through and purchasing everything that we eat 
I am never touching a dish. And he's like, that sets up for good success. I love doing the dishes. And now it's like a huge joke. His mom got us dish towels that say, I'll cook, you'll clean. Like it's a whole thing, but that's our relationship. And that's what we do. And it works really well for us. Um, And DoorDash cooks some for us. And then he has easy dishes. So it's like a win-win, right? DoorDash does my job. (laughs) And he's throwing takeout containers. So we just get a night off on those. So again, not perfect by any means, but that's one of the things we do. Also, I don't like cleaning bathrooms. I'll do the floors, I'll dust, I'll mop, I'll vacuum, but I'm not touching a bathroom. (laughs) So that's another one. Now I can't complain if the bathrooms are not clean the exact way I would clean them. I need to clean them myself or let him know like, hey, did you notice the next day the bathroom mirrors were really weird looking? He's like, yeah, I hated that cleaner can you get a different one next time you grocery shop I'm like sure like instead of stewing over it I just told him and he's like I agree that cleaner is the worst let's get Windex brand next time just something small like that so we do have little things that are divided in our relationship to really help I do not ever take out trash that is like a hard line for me I hate taking out the trash I don't want to think about in Seattle we have this really weird trash stuff we have to do everything gets sorted exactly how it needs to be there is no waste put in the wrong bin that's all on him I'm not in charge of that so we definitely put some some good foundational ground rules around things so we know where the expectations lie and it makes our lives a lot simpler because we're not having decision fatigue from deciding all the time who has to do what right or expecting expecting one thing and getting another thing and then having a fight yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so that's emotionally intelligent. Say what you need, say what you want, say what you prefer and negotiate and talk about it. Um, every couple's going to have different ones, but do it. Don't just bring in your family. This is the way we've already always done it and expect that's going to happen magically in your house. Cause mm-hmm. it's not, Mm-mm. it's Mm-mm. just not. No. Yeah. Every couple should negotiate their own way forward. Like in this, I remember, um, getting real irritable, like in my twenties and thirties about how my parents, had done this deal and divided and conquered. And I thought it was unjust. And uh, one time, finally, it was like, the Lord said to me, Renee, is that your marriage? (laughs) Because they seem actually really happy. (laughs) And it's like, you know what? You're right. That's not my marriage. And, and that's the deal they've struck. And I need to honor that everybody seems to be doing good over there. And (laughs) to just calm down. And like leave them alone and just be sure you're getting getting done in your own relationships. Right. Keep you your need. eyes on your own page. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't judge someone else's relationship um, and, and think that yours is going to look exactly like that. Because when we look at someone else's relationship, we're looking at this teeny tiny little part of it. Just what they're wanting to show us, whether that's on social media, whether that's on um, how they present themselves when you see them at the grocery store, you're seeing this very small, very curated part of their world. It's super easy to, to look at our Instagram account. We have a joint Instagram account for our adventures that we do. And to look at it and think like, wow, they have the perfect life and the perfect relationship. And oh, if only I had blah, 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 I could be like them. But that is not the truth at all. We're just normal humans. And we, we fight about stupid stuff, just like everyone else does, even with emotional intelligence on board. Um, so giving yourself grace and giving your partner grace is also a huge part of that I think absolutely and a rule what was the rule that one of our friends in small group told us Bonnie years ago rule number one you just never know 
You, you don't just know. never know. You think you know what's going on in other people's marriages? You don't know. You don't know. You don't know. <laughs> you, you really don't. And you don't want to know unless they no, tell you. You don't want to know. Trust me. You're crazy enough over here. <laughs> Exactly. Sure. Okay. Well, as we wrap this up, we want to kind of like bring this to parents. How mm-hmm. can parents teach emotional intelligence um, to their children? Because you said, Nora, you were born probably bent that way, but it is teachable, correct? Absolutely. I think my personality is one that makes uh, makes me lean towards being emotional intelligent, but it is a skill that I have worked on a lot. I was not this person. I mean, Bonnie knew me 15 years ago and I was not the person I am today when it comes to these things 15 years ago. First, it's, you know, just life experience, what you go through in that time and the struggles that I faced and the the great accomplishments that I've made and the people that I've had come into my life that have taught me things. All of that has definitely helped, but I've also been very intentional about learning more in this space from reading books to um, articles, surrounding myself with people who had really high emotional intelligence and really thinking through conversations I've had with people when I noticed that maybe they don't have very high emotional intelligence. So that way it is something that I can help teach others when they come to me and ask, hey, how did you navigate that conversation? You did a good job at that. That seemed really difficult. I would not have been able to do that. And the way to to have those kinds of open conversations when people are being vulnerable like that. So definitely emotional intelligence is something that can be learned and practiced and improved. Right. So you're starting, you kind of it's like everything else, there's a standard somewhere, at least a minimum that you're trying to get to with your kids. So you can't just say, well, you don't have it and let it go. Where yep. We all need to exist civilly together mm-hmm. in society and it improves our relationships. So it's worth investing a little time teaching your kids this. And one of the great things, um, one of the key things to teach your kids is delayed gratification. I don't know if you remember that test that went viral for a while online where you put some kind of candy in front of your kid and you leave the room and you say, don't eat anything. I'll be back in just a minute. And you video and see some of, some of our friends did that uh-huh. and uh-huh. were super successful. <laughs> some not so successful, um, but delayed gratification and self-control are one of those things in, in emotional intelligence um, that you can sort of teach. So you just practice that muscle like yes. any other muscle. Absolutely. And, and knowing, okay, moms knowing that like, two-year-olds in general do not have any self-control like no. it's almost none so we're, we're what we're doing is we're looking at the long game here mm-hmm. and we're looking like where they are now you know you're you're looking at their giftings you're looking at their personality in those first handful of years five years or six years and you're going okay here's what we have to work with here's where we're headed now how long is it going to take me to get there and so some kids are going to come on board this EQ, these skills like mm-hmm. self-control and delayed gratification real, real quick. And you're going to feel like rock star mom <laughs> and it's going to be great. And then, then you're going to have a kid that takes like five, seven, 10, ten years, years to mm-hmm. get there. Um, so it's imperative that you're telling yourself the right story about each of your children and understanding kind of where they started and where they're, where they're going. Um, now with that being said, let's just give some particular, like, Hey, let's try this kind of things moms can be doing with their children. So active listening. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like everything in parenting, 
you get to practice it too. So you'll get better at this too. So what's active listening, Bonnie? Yeah, modeling anything is the best way to teach it. Yeah. But you're reflecting back what's said. So your child comes to you and, and with a problem or whatever. And what I hear you saying is, da 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 Oh, okay. Well, that must be hard. Then you're kind of validating what they're mm-hmm. feeling. Um, you are mirroring their body language maybe. Or if you want them to calm down, you have a more calm body language (laughs) so that they will mirror your body language. Um, You're practicing courtesies too, please. Thank you. You know, is it okay if I hug you right now? That kind of thing. You're you're watching personal space, that kind of thing with kids. And you're teaching them to do the same thing with their friends and their siblings. Absolutely. And then in terms of self-awareness, that's something else you can teach. It doesn't just come with maturity. Um, Asking, what could I have done differently? Asking your child, what could you have done differently mm-hmm. when your sibling did that thing that you know triggers you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what could you do differently? Or when they do, please point it out. Please celebrate. Right. Like, because we're so busy and have a million decisions, it's easy to just skim over the wins and address the issues. So when you see them exhibiting self awareness, when you see them thinking through a decision in a way they hadn't before, cheer that on, like, celebrate that. Right. Right time. I, I think of this emotional intelligence thing as kind of um, like the cars on the highway going the same speed. You know, you're trying mm. to go the same speed as everybody else around you generally, except when you need to pass somebody. But um, so you're kind of teaching them how to read a room. Mm-hmm. How is everybody here loud? Then we're not loud. <laughs> we're going to put our voices down in the library point. or we're going to, you know, not run and scream in church because it's not the place. There's a time and a place. Mm-hmm. That's Mm -hmm. kind of a self-awareness thing too. Mm -hmm. Look at the cars around you, kind of gauge what they're doing. It's not necessarily um, blanket conformity. Like peer pressure, follow the crowd kind of thing. No, No, it's reading, like you said, the temperature Mm -hmm. of the room. Is everyone still sitting around the Thanksgiving table wanting to chat? Well, we would expect our eight-year-old to sit there five or 10 or 15 minutes longer than they might normally on a regular weeknight dinner. That's self-awareness. Just, yeah. Yeah. They might tap me and I'd be like, just hold on. <laughs> <laughs> just, no, not yet. Um, empathy is also really important. Mm-hmm. These all make for just beautiful family life too, anyway. Right. Everyone needs these skills, not mm-hmm. just kids. So while you're working on this with your kids, mm-hmm. odds are you're working on it with yourself yeah. too, because you've got to yeah. remember it. So reading is a great way to learn empathy. We read books from all around the world, missionary stories from around the world. Of course, history is filled with wars and illnesses mm-hmm. and people overcoming adversity. But anything that exposes you to other cultures, that's going to help you have empathy. Volunteer work, I think, yes. also is a great way to have empathy. Anything with perspective, right. Mm-hmm. Or how do you think your sister might feel, you know, that she didn't get picked for that team? Mm-hmm. What do you think you could do to make her feel better? Um, just putting them in their somebody else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Always helpful. Yeah. And then helping them manage emotions and self-regulate. Yeah. So everyone's going to be disappointed when they don't make the team. Everyone's going to be fail. Everyone will fail Mm -hmm. in something. Um, Help them to see those as opportunities by asking questions is great. Like, what do we learn from this? What can Mm -hmm. you take forward and do next time? Mm -hmm. Just like how we're, we're wanting to teach our children and the younger generations how to be emotional intelligence. At the same time, you also need to make sure you're keeping your skills sharp and, and growing as well. So I have some tips for the older 
folks, uh, you know, maybe not kids, like the parents or the aunts and uncles or the grandparents to think about. So in conjunction with what you you just talked about, Bonnie, here are some that within ourselves we can really think about day to day to make sure that we are using emotional intelligence and modeling that for our little ones, um, paying attention to ourselves, how we are interacting with others and how they are receiving our interactions is a huge one. Don't just talk to talk. Don't completely like separate your mind from what you're saying or from the situation. Really be present and really think about what you're saying, how you're saying it, what your body language is. If I'm if I'm sitting here having this conversation with you ladies and have a huge scowl on my face, it's not going to be the same conversation as if I'm smiling and engaged and happy and kind of modeling what you both are doing. That helps bond us and allow our conversation to flow a lot more freely. Also using positive language. It's so easy, especially if you watch the news, to really get yourself in some negative speaking um, and focusing on the negatives and, and just using leading with negativity. So trying to make a point in your day when you wake up to say, I'm going to model positive behaviors today. I'm going to look at things in a more positive light. Now that's not glossing over that horrible things happen to us in our world every day. It's very important to to feel those feelings as well. But instead of when you stub your toe uh, on the kitchen table, just getting mad at everyone around you, give yourself a second, take a deep breath, and maybe even laugh at yourself. Like I've stubbed my toe on that table 17 times. Perhaps we move the table. Perhaps I will wear steel toed shoes. Like turn it into something more fun, right? It's not the end of the world. You don't need to bring all those around you down with it or even bring yourself down with that. It's just a small part of your day. And then kind of along with that toe analogy, just keep going. Don't let hangups stop you. If you found that today, maybe you were not using your emotional intelligence, you did snap at a lot of people, or you didn't have great conversations with others or put others first when you should have, forgive yourself. Wake up the next day and just start fresh. No one's perfect. This is a skill everyone is working on all the time. This is not something that you're going to just figure out and never have to think about again. So really give yourself grace and just keep pushing through. Also, watch your stress level. If you know that it's a stressful time, set yourself up for success. Maybe, you know, have dinners pre-prepared or cheat at dinners and do DoorDash. Like Just do little things so you have more energy and more of a fuse to really focus on leading with the positivity and using your emotional intelligence. And then the last one is just show compassion for those around you. If you can show compassion to others, that is such a huge first step to emotional intelligence. Like what you just talked about, uh, if you have more than one child, using their siblings as an example of, of you know how to think of others and be compassionate is a really great tool because there's no one that that child knows more than the other child. And you can do that within yourself too, showing compassion to your family, your friends, the people your children see you with, maybe a teacher you don't get along with at their school. And instead of just leading with negativity and jumping right in and assuming the worst, being compassionate towards what they're going through. Everybody's got a story. Everybody does. Yep. And you're so it's right. That we see just an inch deep of people's lives. It's really true. And you, we really don't know what goes on in everybody's mm-hmm. homes. And we certainly don't know everything that happened in their past to bring them to the mm-hmm. point they are now. So you're right. It's just a, some compassion, some kindness, a little bit of grace and some dash of empathy thrown in there. There you go. Good recipe. That's, <laughs> that's a good recipe. Our resident cook. <laughs> see how you did that. I know. I know. <laughs> Always goes back to food, doesn't it? That's right. That's right. Let's bring it back. 
So Nora has some great resources for us that I'm going to put on our website this week for this episode. You can check out these um, resources on our website at justaskyourmom.com. And we're on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom. And we're on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. Mm -hmm. All the socials. Mm -hmm. And we would love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review if you're listening. And better yet, subscribe so you can get each new Monday episode. Please send us questions or topic suggestions. We usually will always use them. Yeah, we will. Um, you can send us that at just ask your mom podcast at gmail.com. And Nora, why don't you join us as we send everybody out? We'll see you next time on just, just ask, ask your, your mom. mom. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe we need to redo that. <laughs>